everyone, and welcome to the Change Makers Podcast, where we chat with interesting and engaging individuals here and far about change, making change, living change in their own lives, how they've experienced unimaginable change, and innovative ways people uplift the lives of others. We chat about triumphs over tragedies, mindset matters, and how we live out our life's purpose inspirationally. So please join us to be inspired and empowered to be the change you want to see in this world. You know, we can all be change makers in our lives. Here's to the change you're about to bring forth. Good morning, everyone. This is Kimberly Rice, the Chief Changemaker of Changemakers, where we help create bold careers and lives for women professionals. Today, I could not be more excited to welcome our friend Marie Ryan here uh, to join us for a lively discussion um, on how to create workplaces um, that thrive with well employees in well-being. Um, so talk about a lifestyle and lifetime change maker. So welcome to our podcast this morning, Mari. Thanks so much, Kimberly. I'm delighted to be here. Um, and please correct me. Is it Mari? It's Mari, like Calamari. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, every time I say that, everybody remembers it. So Calamari. <laughs> okay, Mari. I, I, I want to be respectful for that. Um, so Thank you so much for joining us today, and I want to share want you to share with our listeners a bit about yourself, uh, your professional passion, and a few insights into your professional journey. Well, I'm glad to be able to share my story because it is a little bit of an interesting one. Uh, I call myself a workplace well-being strategist. So the work that I do with clients, which are usually larger corporations and organizations, is to really help them develop a workplace that cares for and looks after the well-being of the employees. And we all know that, you know, businesses are having trouble attracting the talent today that they need to be able to be competitive. Once they do attract that talent, they need to keep them engaged and they want to make sure that they don't leave. So looking after well-being, which we can discuss in a little more detail, is um, is a very important aspect of really talent management within an organization. Um, absolutely. And um, have you seen a trend um, in connection with talent recruitment and retention over the last you know, five to 10 years? Or is it um, what has been your, I know you've been in business for a really long time. What has been your bird's eye view? Well, when I first came to this career, which was about 15 years ago, uh, much of the focus was on managing healthcare costs. So healthcare costs were out of control. They were, you know, double digit, in, you know, increases every year for employers. And they were just looking at this enormous expense and saying, what do we need to do to manage this? So it was really more about looking at it from a cost control perspective. Mm-hmm. And what I've seen change over time is that really employers now recognize um, that they they have to be managing the talent uh, and their 
people in a way that is going to be productive for business, but also so that it's going to create the kind of workplace where employees really want to be, where they're going to be bringing their best selves to work, where they're going to be enjoying the work that they're doing and enjoying the people that they're doing it with. And when they do that, they're going to be happy, they're going to be productive, and they're going to want to stay. So they'll be engaged. Hmm. So we've really seen that change from um, more of a cost control type of thinking to not just the right thing to do, but it's what we have to do to be able to keep people happy, keep them engaged. And really, I think in many ways, you know, the younger generations, the millennials and those that follow are really driving much of this because they're asking for more flexibility in the workplace. They want, you know, able to work from home or, you know, work from wherever um, they might want to be. Uh, and they really, um, you know, want to be able to balance family responsibilities and life responsibilities with work responsibilities. So in many ways, it's really been driven, I think, um, by the needs of the workforce. And at the same time, I would say that it's not just the younger generations. You know, I think folks that um, are, um, you know, like the sandwich generation or folks that are older who are finding they're now caring for parents or they're in a caregiving setting, um, for older family members, you know, they have similar needs for flexibility and the desire to be able to, you know, not only look after their own well-being um, while they're at work, but also because they have those responsibilities of looking after someone else. Mm. It is. It is qu- um, quite the conundrum, um, that sandwich generation, um, particularly because they get it from both, obviously, from both sides. And it's, uh, uh, it's, it's, it's challenging to really focus on the present when you, you know, have that pressure uh, and responsibility coming at you from both sides. Well, everybody's under a lot of stress these days, whether, you know, work, work is obviously a source of stress, you know, but in our lives, we're managing so many things. And, you know, whether it's, you know, for me, it's a pet that, you know, has some health issues, or if it's a family member or a parent, or, you know, it's, we all have a lot on our plates. And Mm -hmm. so we really have to be able to you know, create the life that we want that is going to be able to help us manage those things and allow us to manage those things while at the same time, you know, giving us the, you know, the financial resources and the personal and professional fulfillment that we desire. Absolutely. Um, and it's, it's, it's great to have folks like yourself who um, can come into organizations and assess um, the, you know, the, culture and the, and the needs and um, the solutions. Um, so it, it begs the question for me, how do you bring your unique brilliance to the work that's so meaningful to you? What's prepared you to get you here? Well, my journey has been kind of an interesting one. Um, this was a career change for me moving into the, the field of works well-being about 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. And I've spent my entire career in business uh, from the time I was uh, 19 years old when I got my first, you know, corporate job, uh, I've continued to work in business. So I really have a lot of business experience. I've worked in a variety of different industries. I've worked in the insurance industry, high-tech industries. Um, I've worked in a variety of different kinds of roles. I've done, I've been a trainer, worked in sales, marketing, operations, management. So I've done a lot of different things. So I'm a generalist in a lot of ways. And 
I found in the early 2000s, I was working as a consultant. I was traveling 100% of the time. Mm. I had 3,000-mile weeks and 6,000-mile weeks. Mm. And when I got home at the end of almost two years of doing this, I said, this is not what I want to do with my life. This life sucks. I need to do something. So I hired a life coach that I worked with for a number of years. And it took me a few years to really identify, you know, go through a process of, you know, reflecting on, you know, what, um, you know, what am I good at? What do I enjoy? What are the skills that I have? You know, I've got, you know, I've, I've got an MBA, you know, so what are the, you know, what, how do I bring all this together in a meaningful way? And I discovered that meaningful way when I, um, found workplace well-being. We actually called it worksite wellness when I first came to this field. And over time, again, we've modified this because when we think of wellness, we think of just our physical health. When we know that our well-being is actually much more encompassing and takes in other aspects of, um, of who we are and, and what we do. Yes. So why don't you share with us a little bit more about that as far as, um, you know, the simple steps that, or not the simple steps, but the, oh, the fullness of the meaning of well-being and what that looks like in a corporate environment. Well, when we um, let me start by describing the elements of well-being that we use. Uh, we use a model that's adapted from some of the work of the Gallup organization, and there are multiple dimensions to this. And certainly, there's the physical aspect because obviously our physical health is how we, you know, how we manifest. Um, so that's you know the what you typically would think of as you know. Um, how much you weigh and what you eat and whether you're getting physical activity and the amount of sleep that you're getting and not using tobacco or other, you know, substances. Uh, so that all is what gives us our energy. So if we think of the physical aspect as our energy source, we also get energy from the relationships that we have in our lives. And those, um, the, that dimension would be connection. And then there's an, a third dimension called community. So connection and community, in my mind, really fit together. It's the relationships we have. It's the people that um, are par- important in our lives. And also how we uh, live in our community and function in our communities. Do we feel safe in the community that we live in? And I take my dogs for a walk every day, um, you know, and at night, do I feel safe when I'm walking around my neighborhood? Uh, so that's an element as well as, you know, the interactions I have in my community, the connections I make in my community and any contributions I make through volunteer work or um, belonging to organizations, um, you know, maybe churches or other kinds of, you know, community organizations. And then there's also financial well-being. And I think the interesting piece about this, which has really um, mushroomed in the last couple of years in terms of the interest in this, I think we all get that if our financial well-being is out of whack, then our whole life is out of whack. So it's a really important aspect of being able to make sure that we can manage the financial aspects of our lives, that we have the skills and the knowledge to do that. And in many cases, this is where employers play a huge role because so many of the benefits that are provided by employers are financially oriented. There's another element dimension of this, which is the purpose. And purpose is both that personal piece of what motivates us to get out of bed every day, what keeps us interested and excited, and also that connection to the purpose of the organization. So am I just making widgets in my organization, or do I feel a connection to, you know, the impact that that 
product or service that that company is making is as a larger contribution to the world. So purpose is a very important piece. And we've heard a lot about this in the last few years. And then uh, the last element is environment. So while that wasn't included in the original Gallup work, my experience in working in workplaces and with employers is that the physical setting and the elements of the physical setting are very important. You know, we all know that if we're working in a windowless office, you know, for days on end that, you know, we're going to feel like we're um, stuck in a box. So the physical aspects of a workplace are all very critical. Mm, yes, um, that's very fascinating. And, and how do, in general, organizations respond um, to these different components of the study and how you bring that to their organizations? Well, the way we work with organizations is typically we have two um, to our work uh, in developing a strategy. The first is an assessment, mm -hmm. and it's really a data collection uh, effort. So the assessment is really create, gathering all of the information to create a snapshot of where the organization is today. And we do both qualitative and quantitative and qualitative data gathering. And in doing that, you know, we'll look at as much information as the organization has. If it doesn't have information such as employee engagement surveys or health, health risk assessments or a variety of different instruments that are available, we can do, a, you know, custom surveys with, um, you know, and sometimes we do that anyway because we want to fill in some gaps on um, information that may not be available. And then we'll also do a series of interviews, uh, interviews with the um, senior leaders of the organization so we can get a sense of uh, priorities and commitment and um, the culture of the organization from the leadership perspective. And then we spend a lot of time actually doing focus groups with employees. We want to hear what the people who work there say mm -hmm. and what are they feeling? What's their experience like as being an employee in this organization and the extent to which they feel cared for, that they feel that they have the support they need for their well-being. And all of that information comes together in a comprehensive report, as you can imagine, that's mm. pretty pretty hefty document. I think the last <laughs> one was about 90 pages. Goodness. And uh, yeah, it's a, it's a true piece of work. Uh, uh, and then from that, we use all that information to be able to develop the strategy. Mm. So typically, the strategy is done as an off-site workshop with the team that's designated from usually a cross-functional team from a variety of different departments that are impacted and will have some, um, you know, in, some uh, involvement in implementing any well-being initiatives. And we do that uh, to. Uh, in that offsite, we create vision, mission, goals, objectives. Uh, we, we identify communication strategies, what infrastructure is going to be needed to create the well-being program and carry it out, um, how it's going to be evaluated, and whether any incentives will be used. So all of those pieces come together in an action plan that the organization can then use to be able to carry out the well-being initiative. Wonderful. I mean, it uh, seems like it's extremely comprehensive, well-researched. What does the implementation look like? Is it up to the employees? Is it done internally? Or you, you are a facilitator in your team? Uh, yes, yes, and yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, it, um, so at some point, the infrastructure conversation with the employer is really about how they're going to run the program. And, uh, and 
I've seen this done in a number of different ways. I have um, one client that runs it from a centralized perspective where they have a person who is the manager of the well-being program. They are responsible for coordinating and uh, marshalling all the resources and they work with a group. This happens to be a hospital system that has a distributed workforce in multiple hospitals and ambulatory units. So they have a, a a network of champions around the organization hmm. who help by distributing information. And they also provide the feedback of you know, what's working, what's not working. So it can be worked from a centralized approach in that way. Um, I have other clients that have the approach where they have representatives from a variety of departments. And those might be communications, benefits, human resources, um, trying to think what other departments, you know, you might have if it's an organization that has um, a, a labor workforce, you know, such as unions, you might have labor representatives. Um, so it, it can be, a, you know, really a, an interesting collection of um, stakeholders across the organization who then work to manage um, the, the program. And in some cases, I work um, as a, a coach to those teams. Um, you know, I help them just hold them accountable and keep them focused and bring new ideas and outside information from the industry to help them. Um, and in other cases, you know, they might outsource a portion of it. They can build, you know, build it internally or buy it. They could buy portions of it where they might outsource some of the functions or use technology to support the program. So all of those pieces come together to create um, the complex web that's used to be able to implement the programs. Absolutely. Um, so it sounds so um, innovative and um, desperately needed in workplaces today because of the the uh, demands on the workforce um, mm -hmm. have grown so much over the decades. And um, um, it, it's just incredible. I know in the professional services world where we see so many instances of um, depression and substance abuse and even, you know, tragically um, suicide, that they, um, these firms are just beginning to kind of have a recognition that um, there is something to having, you know, taking care of your workforce and not just absolutely burning their, you know, burning them out and working them to the bone because it's not sustainable. It's not sustainable. And we know that work is a huge source of stress. You know, we're hearing so much more about substance abuse, as you say, mental health issues, um, and, you know, this, just the amount of stress that people are dealing with in their lives. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it can't be just about profit. It has to be about the people because you can never achieve your profit goals without the people. Exactly. So um, I spent over 20 some years in corporate and I know when I was at the, in the management committee meetings, so many of the discussions, the initiatives, the talent, the, um, the planning um, were around bottom line results. So I'm just curious in the organizations with which you work, um, do they look at how this may add to a bottom line value? for their organization? Well, absolutely. Um, you know, there's, obviously that's a big reason for doing this. You know, they recognize that, uh, you know, it, it's, it's when organizations recognize that it's not just about profit. Mm -hmm. You know, this goes back to the purpose conversation, right? Mm -hmm. Is, you know, what's the purpose of this organization? How do you have, you know, some 
uh, aspiration to impact the world in a bigger way. And when we recognize that you can't achieve whatever those goals are, whether they're, you know, impacting the world or impacting people in the world in a positive way or in creating profit for stakeholders uh, in the process, you still can't do that without your people. So those people need to be healthy. They need to be productive. They need to be engaged and they need to stay with your organization in order to help you achieve those goals. And when we look after people, when we create a culture where people are cared for, where they are valued, where they're appreciated, that's when we really can have a culture in a workplace that is going to be one where people are going to really want to work there and, you know, really be happy, productive people. Yes, that's, that's good for everybody. Um, Absolutely. <laughs> um, so let's talk about change making for a moment, which is near and dear to my heart in our new program, um, Change Makers. What does this look like in your world um, and in the work that you do? Well, if you think about um, think about our well-being, sometimes we um, and we all have some place in our lives. At least most of us do some element of our life where we might have some level of dissatisfaction. You know, and we think about this. So, you know, we're early in the year here and, you know, we've gotten through the New Year's resolutions and probably many of those have fallen by the wayside. But we had, you know, we had an idea that we wanted to potentially change something in our lives. And we all know that behavior change is hard. You know, if it was easy, then, you know, we would, we would all be, you know, perfectly healthy and not have any bad habits. You know, but for, for whatever it might be, you know, whether you want to exercise more, get better sleep, whether you want to change the way you eat or what you eat, whether you want to improve your relationships, um, you know, whatever it may be that we desire to change in our lives or whatever may be motivating that. Sometimes what's motivating that is not a choice that was our choice. Sometimes it's something that's, you know, just happens to us in our lives. We have to recognize that it, it's going to we have to go through a process and there's a lot of different theories about behavior change. Um, some of which I'm very familiar with because a lot of the work that we do in, in supporting employee well-being is about supporting and encourage, encouraging people through change processes, mm -hmm. you know, whether they want to lose weight or be more physically active or get more sleep or, um, you know, be more productive in their work or more focused in their work or, reduce stress or take up a meditation practice so that they're more present for their family members, whatever it may be, those are all about change. And my best advice to most people is to take it in small steps, you know, make a little change today and add a little bit more change tomorrow so that you're doing very small steps. And over time that adds up to much, to a lot of progress. Right. So what do you see looking forward um, how our workplaces are changing in connection with well-being and the demands on the market, on the um, labor workforce. Well, this is, um, it, this is something that's here to stay. This is certainly not a fad. Um, this is something that employers um, are recognizing is an essential aspect of their workplace. And if they are ignoring this, then they will continue to see that they've got turnover and disengagement of their workforce and that they can't attract the people that they need to achieve their goals. Mm. So it's really something that is becoming very, very um, 
mainstream, I guess is a, probably a good word for it. Um, but yet I'm still finding organizations, some of the clients that, you know, I've worked with some, some clients where we've, you know, we're, we're on the second iteration of their strategy. You know, we did it six years ago and then came back last year and did it again. So it's not something that is um, static. It's something you have to, you know, organizations change over a period of time and you need to come back and revisit with the strategy. Does what we said five years ago still apply today? Or do we need to rethink things? So it's, um, it's something that employers need to be paying attention to. And, you know, the good news is I'm finding that uh, my services are in demand and employers are recognizing that uh, this is an essential viewpoint. And it, it ties very closely with employee experience and culture and some of the other areas where employers are uh, working on other initiatives and having, you know, projects and actually adding staff to be able to focus on some of these elements. That's fabulous. I mean, to have that type of buy-in where they're actually adding, um, you know, cost, if you will, but investment at the same time um, to the workforce because of the changing cultural values. Um, that's very, it must be very uplifting for you. It absolutely is. It's, uh, there's nothing that delights me more than getting into an organization and, you know, being the detective to find all the information that's going to help uncover some of the aspects of, you know, what's happening there today, but also to be able to position it in ways that um, it can be more productive or, you know, make it a better workplace for, for employees. And that to me is just true fun. <laughs> True fun. Um, and that's wonderful. We need to have more fun, don't we? We do. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, no. Um, so I'm fascinated to learn about your why in this work. Uh, you, you brought forward such an accomplished um, career in corporate. And I'm sure you've had, you know, many, many years of being on the front line and seeing um, some of the changes and the um, adaptations that needed to be made. Um, but now as um, an expert on, quote, the outside of an organization, um, what do you find particularly enjoyable and rewarding? I think the, the thing that's um, most rewarding, I guess, is knowing that the work that I do has impact on people's lives. And, you know, that was part of the reason I changed careers was I was feeling like I was just, you know, doing work, but nobody was really benefiting from it. Mm. And with this work and, you know, the work that we've done, you know, my firm has um, over the 15 years or so now um, that I've been doing this, you know, we've touched hundreds of thousands of lives. Mm. And, you know, knowing that um, people's lives and their, you know, their lives in their work um, places are better from what we're doing is completely fulfilling. And mm. that's my why, because we're making life better for people. That's fantastic. You know, so without, without giving away the store at all, um, what would be maybe a top three things that you would suggest um, that either business owners and or employees bring to, um, to bring more well-being into their lives? Well, I'm a firm believer that um, we need a plan in a workplace. So if we talk in the workplace context, employers need a plan for well-being. It can't be just random programming or an afterthought. It needs to be something that they prioritize, that they provide resources for, and that they really do put a focus on in the 
context, you know, I know there's a lot of things going on in organizations, but this is, is an important piece that really can't be overlooked. And at the level, I think we really, um, we need to recognize, we all need to recognize the things that we do every day that are supporting our well-being and continue doing those. And then look at those things that are diminishing our well-being and just asking ourselves um, how we might be able to change those things that in a way that could make, you know, make our health better or our well-being better. Yes. And that can be anything, you know, it can be taking longer walks with the dog or, you know, being more present in our, you know, dinner conversations with our family members. There's whatever it is for you is, you know, there's nothing more important than our well-being. Um, right. Going through this right now with a friend who's uh, gravely ill and I just see what it's doing to him and his family. And mm. it's like, you know, when we don't have our health and our well-being, right. we don't really have anything. Exactly. Yeah, it is. It's so easy to take that for granted until we're touched by it or um, exactly. touched by it um, for in the first person or a loved one um, nearby. But um, <clears throat> yes. Um, so I'm just curious, and I ask our guest this question: Is if you could give your younger self one piece of professional advice, what would that be? Hmm. Well, that's an interesting question. Um, I think probably it really focuses on um, relationships and connections. Mm -hmm. um, and that would be just to be respectful to everyone. Um, you know, honor who they are as individuals, accept each individual for their uniqueness um, and build deep relationships. I think that relationships are just an important, such an important part of mm -hmm. um, connection is so important in, as part of our well-being. Mm -hmm. and, and I think from a professional perspective, um, even though I've got many people I have very long relationships with, there's, you know, some people I wonder where that person is today. And, <laughs> you know, and it's so much easier today, obviously, to keep in touch with people um, we have so many more, tech, you know, resources and technology to be able to help us do that. But I would say from a professional perspective, you know, keeping those relationships strong and keeping in touch with people and honor them and respect them for who they are. Mm, wonderful advice for us all. Um, it's amazing, you know, if we pay attention, what we can learn along our own respective journeys. Exactly. <laughs> uh, I've become quite passionate about that in the last couple of decades. Um, so, um, Mari, I certainly appreciate this conversation. To me, it's been fabulous and given us and our listeners a real insight into what organizations um, are doing today to um, successfully take care of their employees and teams, both from a recruiting and retention perspective and just the right thing to do, um, recognizing that work does represent such a um, high level of stress for us all in different aspects, I'm sure. Um, and, you know, just in the Northeast here, um, I, where I used to commute 
just getting to work was stress. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, by the time I got there, I'm like, oh, I need a break. Um, so uh, I need some meditation. Um, but I want to give um, our listeners a way to connect with you um, following our conversation today. So what is the, the best uh, way to get in touch with you? So the best way is through uh, my website, which is Advancing Wellness is the company name, and the URL is advwellness.com, and I'm also can be found on LinkedIn, um, but on our website, you have all the links to our social media for Facebook, LinkedIn, um, our YouTube channel, where we have a series of videos that uh, explain about our work, and also on that website, you can find out about my book, which is The Thriving Hive how people-centric workplaces ignite engagement and fuel results. Mm, fabulous. Fabulous. That, I'm sure, is a, a accompaniment to the work that you do. I hope every company buys a copy for each of their employees. <laughs> thank you. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you so much, Mari. This has been a fabulous um, conversation, and I know one that our listeners will, uh, if they, they themselves are not in decision-making roles will um, share with their um, management um, and um, uh, help you expand the, the mission and the work that you're on. Um, so this concludes another episode of our Change Makers podcast. Thank you listeners for joining us today where we help create bold careers and lives. Thank you. Thank you.